Welcome to Passage to Wonderland, literary passages to complete your day. There's always been a fascination for royal families, and none more so than the Romanovs, the last imperial family of Russia. Much has been written and speculated about them, especially Anastasia, one of the daughters of Emperor Nicholas II and his wife, Alexandra. But there was another daughter, Olga, the eldest of the five children, who has a fascinating story of her own, which Bryn Turnbull captures in her new novel, The Last Grand Duchess. In this excerpt, it's the day Olga has been waiting for, her coming out ball. February 1914, St. Petersburg. Lamplight flickered in the bedrooms at the Winter Palace as Olga's maid tightened the stays on her corset. Olga breathed in sharply, resting a steadying hand on her bed's iron footboard as the maid threaded her in, watching with satisfaction in the mirror as her waist shrank. Tonight might prove to be an ordeal, but at least Olga would look the part of a grand duchess. From her seat at the vanity, Tatiana, who was having her hair seen to by Mama's hairdresser, looked up at Olga with a smile. Come now, it can't be as bad as all that, she said. It's our coming out ball. Olga allowed herself a grudging smile as she straightened, running a practiced hand down her front to ensure that the whale bones were resting where they were supposed to. Two weeks ago, she would have shared in Tatiana's excitement at the prospect of finally coming out in St. Petersburg, of dancing in the elegant ballroom at Anichkov Palace, its parquet floor just large enough to accommodate only the very best society families. Two weeks ago, Olga wouldn't have been able to conceal her excitement as she slipped into blush pink silk, her spectacular dress scented by the finest eau de toilette Cody had ever created. But then, two weeks ago, Pavel Voronov had been a bachelor. Her cheeks grew hot as she thought back to the ceremony, to standing in the small church alongside her parents, watching the only man she'd ever loved pledge himself to another. He'd look so handsome up there in his naval uniform, his voice quiet but steady as he recited his wedding vows to Anya Klein Michelle, betraying no hint of his impassioned goodbye to Olga just before Christmas. It had been doomed from the start, Pivel had said. Once Olga had stepped on board Papa's yacht last September and saw Pivel amongst the officers accompanying them to Levadia, they'd been unable to keep their promise to stay apart. Instead, the ship had become the backdrop to a five-month romance, Olga joining Pivel on watch duty or helping him fill in the logbook Olga watching for Pivel on deck through binoculars once her family reached their palace in Crimea, dancing together beneath the stars, meeting beneath the canopy of trees to walk Levadia's footpaths. It had been foolish of them to indulge in their feelings for one another. Foolish, when the Duma was talking about the diplomatic importance of marrying Olga off to some European monarch. Foolish, 
when all Pyvel had to offer her was a soldier's pension. It was lunacy, Pyvel had told her, for them to put their hearts above their duty to Russia, above their duty to Olga's father, who had stood next to Olga in church, watching proudly as one of his aide-de-camp made a match suitable to his station. But as Pyvel and his new bride walked down the aisle, his arm crooked around her hand as they walked toward the open church doors, Olga couldn't help noticing the strain in Pyvel's face as his eyes met hers, just for the briefest of moments, before he walked on. That, she supposed, was enough. It would have to be enough. Tatiana threw a pillow onto Olga's bed, pulling her out of her reveries. I know it's going to be difficult for you, she said, looking at Olga through the mirror as the hairdresser finished pinning her dark tresses in place. But we have to have a good time tonight. She turned back to the mirror, pinching color into her cheeks. He won't thank you for pining. Olga swallowed her disappointment. She owed it to Tatiana to be excited about tonight. She owed it to Grandmama, who was hosting the ball, to be grateful. She owed it to the people she was going to meet, to be the vibrant and elegant Grand Duchess they were expecting. She owed it to her parents, to be dutiful and kind, a Romanov, born and raised. She owed it to herself to be more than her sadness. When they'd finished dressing, Olga and Tatiana went up to Mama's drawing room. Olga's parents were standing arm in arm by the fireplace, their glasses of champagne held aloft. Dressed in cloth of gold and a king's ransom's worth of jewels, Mama looked every inch an empress. Olga admired the sparkle of her diamond choker, worn high on her neck, the gleaming pearls cascading down her front. A tiara glittered amidst her ash-blonde curls, but her weary eyes betrayed her lack of enthusiasm at the prospect of an evening out. Papa beamed, drawing Mama closer to his side as he looked at Olga and Tatiana. Look at you both, he said, as beautiful as your mother the day I married her. Are you excited? Olga swallowed her thoughts of Pyvel as she accepted a glass of champagne from one of the footmen. Excited, she reminded herself. Elegant. Dutiful. I can hardly wait. Are we leaving soon? Soon enough, Papa said. Before we go, your mother and I have something to give you. He picked up a small box from the table and opened it. Within sat a long circlet of perfect pearls glowing in the candlelight. She reached out, her hands trembling as she lifted it from its velvet casing. You've got your shorter strand, of course, said Mama, as Olga ran her fingers along the necklace, marveling at its luminescence. But these are to mark your entrance into womanhood. She turned it over to look at the platinum clasp, stamped with a small, double-headed eagle, her family's crest. May I? Papa held out his hand and Olga allowed him to fasten the necklace around her neck. It was cool on her throat, quickly warmed by the heat of her skin. Russian pearls, naturally, the best quality in the world. Fabergé designed the clasp himself. It's magnificent, Olga said, clearing her throat. <clears throat> I'm quite overcome. Thank you, Papa. Mama? Her parents drew close together, beaming.
Grandmama Fedorovna was waiting for them in the entrance hall of Anichkov Palace, her black dress glittering with the refracted light of a thousand different jewels that adorned her from head to foot. She'd lived in Anichkov Palace for most of her life, taking on most of the social obligations that Mama and Papa declined in favor of quiet nights at Alexander Palace. Society's Empress, Olga had heard her referred to once or twice, and not without reason. She sank into a curtsy as Papa approached. Mother, he said, kissing her on the cheek, we're so grateful to you for showing such a kindness to Olga and Tatiana. Grandmama turned to her granddaughters. Nonsense, she said, with a conspiratorial thrill to her voice. I couldn't resist. I would have had a coming out for you when you turned 18, Olga, but your mother insisted, insisted that such pageantry for one daughter is wasteful, when we'd have to repeat it all again a year later for the next. Mama leaned close to Papa, not bothering to lower her voice, as they began to climb the staircase. Once around the room, darling, and then straight home. I don't think my heart can take much more than that. Olga exchanged a glance with Tatiana, her own heart sinking. Would their evening end before it had truly begun? She willed Papa to intercede, trying to plead without saying a word. Then he patted Mama on the hand. Of course, if you'd prefer an early night, we can arrange a carriage for you, he said. But I can hardly expect my girls not to enjoy their coming out, can I? The three of us will stay until we drop of exhaustion. They reached the top of the stairs, and Mama placed a wearied hand on her chest. Whatever you think best. Grandmama was already working her way down the hall. It's only one night, she said testily. It's good for the people to see their czar, and for the czar to see his people. They ask for so little, really. All the same, I'll feel better when I'm back in my bed, said Mama. She smiled at Papa. But don't feel you have to leave on my account. Grandmama stopped as they reached the antechamber of the ballroom, the buzzing of voices audible through the closed doors. Of course we all want you here, Alex, but if you feel more comfortable, there's no obligation for you to stay. After all, my guests are here for the Grand Duchesses. She took Olga and Tatiana by the hand, her eyes bright. I want you both to have fun, she said, squeezing firmly, and Olga felt a rush of affection for her glittering grandmother. Some of Russia's most important families are here, and I want you to meet them all. You belong in this room, the both of you. You belong here, with us. She looked up at Papa, and Olga could see something meaningful pass between them. But then, Grandmama looked up at the Master of Ceremonies. She nodded. The door opened, and the triumphant trill of the national anthem welcomed them into the room. The ballroom at Anichkov Palace was warm and inviting, electric chandeliers sending yellow light up the colonnades to dance along the curved ceiling. The first time Olga had been here as a girl, she'd been awed by its size, her voice echoing off the tall windows that overlooked the snowy courtyard. Unlike the overwhelming opulence of the ballroom at the Winter Palace, 
and Ichkov felt modern and elegant, its simplistic white walls lending the space a monochromatic beauty. Hidden above the dancers in a gallery, an orchestra played a thrilling rendition of the imperial anthem. Enormous marble vases sat in the window alcoves, displaying sunbursts of greenhouse flowers, perfuming the air with thoughts of a Crimean summer. Olga smiled at Jim Hercules, standing at attention outside the ballroom door. Like his fellow Arap flanking the door opposite, he wore an elaborately detailed gold and scarlet tunic and matching turban, his hand curled around a heavy ivory cane. Papa beamed as he opened the ball with Olga, their first dance a stately polonaise. Looking gallant in his naval uniform, his braided epaulettes gleaming as they caught the candlelight, Papa beamed with pride, his arms strong on Olga's back as he danced her down the hall. She could hear the murmured voices of those watching, the men, resplendent in their military attire, the women, wearing ornate dresses in every conceivable color. She moved slowly and ceremonially, one arm held aloft as she danced. Out of the corner of her eye, she caught a glimpse of Pyvel, standing beside his new wife. But whereas Olga had expected to feel sadness at the sight of him, at this moment, opening the ball under the admiring gaze of those lining the dance floor, she felt triumph. Let him watch, she thought, lifting her chin high as Papa swept her past. Beauty, power, privilege. Grand Duchess Olga seems on top of the world in this passage, but the backdrop is an empire in turmoil. Author Bryn Turnbull creates a very human portrait of Olga Romanov in this book, as a daughter and a sister who feels the joys and sorrows of being part of a large, tight-knit family, and as a young woman experiencing love and heartbreak for the first time as she makes her way into a perilous future. Today's passage was from The Last Grand Duchess by Bryn Turnbull, published by HarperCollins. Thank you for listening to Passage to Wonderland. Until next time, rest easy.